one of the one of the ten suggestions uh, commandments is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So there's two commandments there. Remember the Sabbath and keep it. Now, I'll just throw this in a little bit real quick because I know I was taught for the first, the first 18 years of being a pastor that God changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. And if you study and you read the history and everything and don't just listen to what somebody says but read history... The church never changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday until Constantine, 325 years after the resurrection of Jesus, declared all the Roman Empire is now Christian. Now, they didn't even know who Jesus was, never heard of Jesus. He just decided he was a Christian, so he declared the whole Roman Empire would be Christian, and this caused a lot of political upheaval and because most of the Roman Empire, you got to understand, and I know it's hard for people to realize this until you think it a little bit, people never heard of Jesus. Uh, in most of the, the, the countries of the world, there was no newspaper, there were no printing presses, there were no books. All that heard of Jesus was word of mouth. And so most of the people in the Roman Empire were pagan. And they worshiped the sun god and so to keep peace in in his empire politically economically military peace he said well let's merge these two together let's take our 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 christianity and move away from the jewishness of it and the way they started that they had what's called in history the the council of nicaea where they got together and said, how do we do this? How do we make this all work? And one of the things is, well, let's declare that it's illegal to, to, to meet on Saturday, on the Sabbath, and so we'll have everybody meet when everybody is usually meeting in their pagan temples, and we'll just, we'll just turn their temples into churches, and we'll all meet on Sunday. And that's historical fact. I know a lot of Christians don't like to be confused with the facts, but that's really the way it worked. (laughs) But so people ask us, and even in the churches, people come in, well, pastor, why don't we meet on Saturday? Well, because the Bible says that we're to be fishers of men. And the day that that fish bite the best is on Sunday. But still, even though we meet on Sunday, we still remember the Sabbath and we keep it individually because the Sabbath is an appointed day that God will meet our needs of the week with his miracle power. And, and it, it's really a need. And if you don't understand it, my new book will be out in the spring. But in this understanding of this, I also began to understand that there are writings, teachings that come up every Friday that is true every day of the week, just as Jesus is Lord every day of the week. But when they come up, there are, there are special appointments with God's power on these teachings. A lot of people don't understand when Jesus stood in the, in the temple and he read, this day is this fulfilled in your ears. That was not just a random thing that he picked out. That was the Torah portion 
And so it was not. So the Jews knew it wasn't a coincidence when Jesus read the scripture about the Messiah and said, This day is this fulfilled. They knew that there was something supernatural about it. And so whenever we have a Torah portion, even though it is true every day of the week, God's word is true every day. How many realize there are appointments with divine blessing that, that for those who have ears to hear and hear, they'll receive it? So it's not a coincidence that the first Torah portion for the new year in 09, which is the year that God wants to rebuild. He'll rebuild your business, rebuild your life, rebuild your body, rebuild your walk with God. This is a tremendous year of blessing. And it's not a coincidence that these Torah portions go along with our first Shabbat or our first Sabbath for the new year. This year, God wants to do miracles in your life. How many can say amen? All right, so let's read with it in Genesis chapter 44, starting with verse 18. Now, just real quick, everybody knows this, that 22 years before this, Joseph had a vision. And in that vision, he saw all of his brothers coming down and bowing down to him. Okay, the vision had to do with the coat of many colors, but it also had to do with a great harvest. Now, we all know the story. His brothers were jealous, and his brothers, led by the older brother, Judah, threw him in the pit, then uh, then sold him into slavery, told their father that Joseph was dead, And so for the last 22 years, they have been convicted, they have been sorrowful, but they think that their brother is dead. So here we come 22 years later. They come to Egypt. Joseph is now the second most powerful man in all the world. He's gone from, and and a story in itself is, is the enemy will tell you, who do you think you are? You're a nobody. You're not smart enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. Joseph went from a slave to the second most powerful person in the world. If God can do that in this story, what can he do for you in the latter reign? So in Hebrew, one of the the storylines of this is God wants you to think bigger about what he wants to do in your life than you are right now. So there's a, there's a great famine all over. Even Egypt is being hit by this, but the Jews are being hit by it worse than anywhere. So Judah and his brothers come to Egypt to, to see if they can get help and they can get grain and they can get food. And Joseph tricks them and puts the money that they brought back into their bag and he puts one of his, a a, a special cup of his without getting into the whole story, and he hides it in their bag, and so they're going away. The brothers are leaving, not knowing who Joseph was, not recognizing him here 22 years later. Now, that may sound strange. You know, a few years ago, I went back to a friend of mine uh, had, had passed away. From, that was one of my best friends in high school. And I went back, it was, it's been, you know, at that time it was about 25 years, and I went to the, the, the service, and of course all my friends got to see us on TV, so they recognized me, but man, I didn't recognize them. So, I mean, people change in 22 years. So even though they're standing before their brother, 
who they think is dead and he's changed in 22 years, they don't recognize him. So as they're leaving, he puts the money, he has the guys put the money back in the bag and puts one of his special cups in there. And, and they say it's a cup of divination or witchcraft. And there's a reason why that's in there. And I'll, uh, hopefully I'll get to that. So they're on their way. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh's army comes up to him and says, our master did you all this good and you betrayed him. They said, we would never do that. And so they opened up all the bags and they got down to Benjamin, the youngest brother, and they opened it up and there's Joseph's cup. Well, they don't know it's Joseph. And in fact, they said, if we had stolen anything, then, then let us be your slaves forever. Well, there's a, there's a Hebrew teaching in there that says, don't give an oath lightly. God, if you do this, I'll do that. Or, you know, and, and because our words create a destiny. Now, we think that was brought up by, you know, the faith teachers. That's, that's Bible. So they bring them back to Joseph and they said, okay, we're not going to put, make you all slaves, but we're going to make Benjamin the slave, the youngest. And so this is where we're at right now. Judah is pleading to Joseph, this, the, the, the most, second most powerful man in all the world, and he doesn't realize it's his brother. And, and Joseph has done this on purpose to, to, to change the destiny of the children of God. So that's where we are. Read with me in, in Genesis 44, verse 18. Judah, then Judah came near to him, Joseph, and said, O oh my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing, and do not let your anger burn against your servant, for you are even like Pharaoh. Now, unless we learn to study the Bible in Hebrew, we miss that. that, that that's a really neat, little, little neat story, but what does it mean? Okay, now you got a picture. They're in Egypt. They are surrounded by Pharaoh's army. There is only a handful of them. They're caught red-handed. They didn't do it, but they think their brother did. And so here's, it would be like you going to the vice president of the United States. Only this vice president is known for his or this land is known for no mercy. And so they're standing there, a handful of them. And he goes up and he says, my Lord, let me speak something in your ear. Now, if we don't study Hebrew, we don't know what he said. But if you go back to the Hebrew writings of this, it's very interesting what he said. You go back to the Talmud and it says that Judah went up to Joseph and whispered in his ear, there may be more of you than there are of us, but if you want to fight, we're going to fight right now. If you want to make peace, we'll make peace right now, but I pray that you will show mercy and realize this is a mistake. Now, how do you get this? Same way pastors get their stuff. They go to Barclay or Clark or Barnes or whatever, I go back to the Talmud, the Mishnah, and the Torah to find out what was said here. 
And so it's in Hebrew, it's a very interesting teaching. Even though you feel like you're outnumbered, your problem is bigger than anything you can handle, never stop fighting. And the reason why they were willing to fight and not surrender is because they knew the weapons of their warfare were not carnal. That they had a God above the sun God, the God of Egypt. They had a God that has defeated their enemies before and he could defeat them again. So he went up and said, if you want peace, we'll have peace. Now look what it says here. Look, it says here again. He says, speak a word in my Lord's hearing. Do not let your anger burn against your servant for you are even like Pharaoh. In other words, Pharaoh was known for no mercy. As a matter of fact, if we go forward several hundred years, when Moses stands before Pharaoh, Pharaoh would not let the people go. And because of the God of Israel, a curse that is still on Egypt to this day was released. And so this is what he's saying. And, and the teaching in Hebrew is, this is what you need to say every time the enemy comes against you. Let's skip down to uh, verse 33. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain. Now, now, Judah is saying they've arrested Benjamin. Benjamin was one caught with the, with the, with the uh, cup. And Judah is saying, listen, let my brothers go. I'll stay. Let my younger brother go because if, if you keep him, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill my father. So I'll stay. If it will cause peace, I'll stay. Verse 33. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord. And let the lad go up with his brothers For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me, lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father? Now look at the next verse in 45.1. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those that stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. And then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold in Egypt. Now, There's a couple things right there. Many of the rabbis in teaching this in the Midrash say that Joseph's first response was anger. That when Joseph put the money back in the bags and hid the cups, it's because the cup, he was angry. That's the human reaction. But when he came back and Judah said, take me he realized that Judah had been sorry for 22 years for what he'd done. That Judah, even though he broke covenant with Joseph, he was going to willing to pay for it with his life and not break covenant with Benjamin. 
The covenant that we have with God is greater than anything I've ever known before. But the other thing is that we'll never understand covenant with God until we start learning to have covenant with each other. We need to be people who watch out for our brothers and our sisters. We've kind of gotten into Christianity where Christians cheat each other, they lie to each other, they con each other, they rip each other off, they, they gossip about each other. And this is, here we are all the way back in the book of Genesis, and it's a reminder. Now, I'll lay this in to, to get what I'm going to say at the very end, is that until we understand covenant with God, but even more so covenant with each other, we'll never see the power of God. We'll never see the power of God. Christians don't gossip. Christians don't talk about each other. Christians don't rip each other off. Christians are not dishonest with anybody, but we're not dishonest with each other. That we need to understand that if we have, if I have a covenant with God, and I want God to honor that covenant, and if I'm going to have God honor his covenant with me, and my covenant with God, the sign that I'm honoring my covenant is that I care for my brother. We've got to go, we've got to go back. We've got to go back. It, it, it doesn't matter if we're Baptist or Lutheran or Presbyterian. It, it doesn't even matter if we agree on any, everything. A kingdom divided against itself won't stand. Here's, here's something that's helped me in, in that is I don't know everything. Let me give you something that will help you. You don't know everything. And some of the things, you know, as I, as I begin to study the, the, the Word of God, not in English, not in Greek, but as I studied in Hebrew, some of the things that I thought I knew, I was wrong. I was wrong. Some of the things that you, you and I think we know, the closer we get to the end, we're going to find out this is what Grandpa believed and Great Grandpa believed, but it was wrong. But it doesn't matter. We need to realize that we are a family. And, and a family sticks together. That's, that's what, what, this is what turned, now think about this, this is what turned Joseph's anger into Joseph's favor. When he realized his brother was now a covenant keeper. He turned his anger and he says to them, it's me. It's Joseph, your brother. In Hebrew, this is heavenly and this is earthly. Everything God does is heavenly and earthly, right? There's going to come a time that Jews and Gentiles are going to realize we're covenant brothers. We're not enemies. We're covenant brothers. I believe we're right on the dawn of that. Remember what I read Sunday where that rabbi revealed, he said, we'll open this up a year after I'm gone. Open this up one year after I'm gone, after I die. And they opened it up and he said that while I was ill, God showed me who the Messiah was and his, he is Jesus of Nazareth. Well, one of the reasons why they're angry with us 
is we've taken our Lord and we've thrown them into a pit. But now we're going to repent. We're going to, we're going to come back and together we're going to have covenant and you're going to see what happens in the story as this happens. This is what's going to happen to us. And for many of us, it's going to happen this year. Are you ready? Okay. Go with me to, just to jump down. Uh, go with me to Hebrews, uh, or excuse Hebrew, Genesis 45. Let's read 1 through 8 again. We'll read it again. Then Joseph could not restrain himself, be our for all those who stood before him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So everybody but his family's out. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians of the house of Pharaoh heard it. Now, Joseph is Pharaoh's right-hand man. And he runs everybody out except his family. And he says, it's me. Joseph, why do you run everybody out? Because to the world, the Jews were the enemy. Go to the story again of Esther. Esther was picked for such a time as this. There are Jews all over the world that are hiding their identity because they're afraid of what the Christians have done and will do to them. But as you and I start making covenant, they're going to come out of the closet. I think you're going to end up seeing people in politics and people in in all kinds of business situations come out of the closet and use their power, use their authority to bring about what you're going to see in this story. When, When the Messiah comes... We are not going out losers. We're not going out poor. We're not going out in poverty. We're not going out in in jail. We're going out the head and not the tail. But prophetically, in Judaism, these things have to happen. The Jew and the Gentile coming together and making covenant again. And together, there's going to be a change of power and a change of wealth. Are you, are you okay so far? All right, now watch this. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians of the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold in Egypt. But now... Do not, therefore, be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and save your lives by great deliverance. Now, I'm going to show you something here at the end in the next 10 or 15 minutes as we close. But I want you to look what Joseph said. According to the prophecy, there was five more years of famine. 
Now I'm going to show you at the end that when the Jew and the Gentile came together, God stopped the curse and brought prosperity. In the world, they may say, well, it's another year or it's another two years or it's going to take us 10 years to catch up. Yes, for the world, but not for you. Not for you. Oh, I need a better amen than that. You got to understand that when God gets involved with his covenant, it changes everything. I don't care what the experts say. What does God say? God says, I can break everybody else. And you're going to see everybody else did stay in the famine. Everybody else did go bankrupt. But this is the first end time transfer of wealth right here. This is the first one. All right, let's read. Verse 7, and God sent me for you to preserve posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father of Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hasten to go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come to me. And do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. Now, if you remember, look where he says, Goshen. How many years later did Moses come on the scene? How many? 400 years later, okay, Moses comes on the scene. All the Jews are living where? Goshen. And Goshen was the only place that the curses did not touch. And so what he's saying is, as a child of God, you've got to understand, before the foundations of the earth, he knew who you were. Before the foundations of the earth, he knew what's going to happen a year from now. But all of us who are children of God and connected to the covenant, we may be in Egypt, but we're living in Goshen. And it will not touch us. Okay, now, now, there's a tremendous thing here, and I don't have time to get into because I really want to get down to the end of it. But, but here is a key. In Hebrew, here's a key of blessing. The key of blessing is that Joseph forgave them. Now, it, it loses in translation because Joseph is saying that what you, what, you did not do this to me, but God did it. It, it, it. That's not how it reads in Hebrew. In Hebrew, it reads... You may have done this, but what you meant for evil or or you thought was going to be evil, God has used this for good. Now, the reason is, is God does not put sickness on us. God does not bankrupt our business. God does not take our job. God does not do these things. But whatever the enemy does, if we understand our covenant and we know that we don't battle with flesh and blood, but we battle with principalities and powers and rules, if somebody rips you off and you stay mad at them, only, only blessing you're going to get is how good it feels to be mad. And even though God has ordained a blessing, see, in reality, most Christians miss their blessing because they say the wrong words or they don't forgive those who have done them wrong. Lord, teach us how to pray. When you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And he goes on and says all these blessings, and I'm going to reteach the Jewish understanding of the Lord's Prayer. But one of the key things is forgive us our trespasses as we, on the condition that we forgive others of their trespasses against us. This is not, this is not a faith, doc, or, you know, the, the modern-day faith era. This, this is the key to the blessing. You know, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, he finishes the Lord's Prayer, and then he goes all the way back to the part on forgiveness. Unforgiveness does not block the blessing on that person. It blocks the blessing on us. But this person really ripped me off. Maybe it was a husband. Maybe it was a wife. Maybe it was, you know, this will, be, this will shock you, but as, after Tiz and I have pastored for 32 years, we've actually had people in the church burn us. Not no one here. That was a joke. That was facetious. But if we, if we get mad at that person and stay mad at that person, then God cannot bless us. This is a tremendous key. If you're mad at someone, if you're angry with someone, and you can always tell if you're angry because out of the heart, family reunions, what comes up? Oh, I hit a nerve there. I, I just popped. What comes up? Listen, here's the reality. When you discover who the thief is, let's say somebody ripped you off of your business. They ripped you off in your business. They, 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 they got $100,000, ripped off $100,000. If you stay mad at that person, now that doesn't mean you let them do it again. They're out. But you, 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 you realize you battle not with flesh and blood. When you discover who the thief is, who really ripped you off? See, it's, it's, this, it's this easy. We're spiritual enough to give God all the glory, but we're not spiritual enough to give de- the devil the blame. If, if we get blessed, I want to praise the Lord. But if we get ripped off that dirt bag. But when you discover who the thief is, then you get back what? Everything he stole multiplied by seven. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're still battling with flesh and blood, you still lose out on what, what was stolen. But when you forgive them, and you realize that was the devil, you know, God, you know, bless them, help them, remove them, <laughs> bail them out later. When you, dis- when, you, when you refuse to get mad at people and stay mad. We're all going to get mad once in a while. Oh, don't look at me like that. I, I hear these guys give their test. My wife and I have been married for 60 years. We've never said a harsh word to each other. You liar. You lie. You lie. What are you? Well, yeah. If you if you live in California and she lives in Florida, <laughs> I read this thing the other day and it says, you know, my wife and I found the the secret to to a happy marriage. We go out for dinner two times a week. I go out on Mondays and Wednesdays. She goes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> if you've been married a year, there may have been one little thing come up. Ten years, two things. Come on. But that's why the Bible said, let not the sun. Doesn't mean, listen, if you, if you never get mad, you, you, we need to put the paddles to you, revive you. If you never get mad, you're not alive. I get mad at abortion. 
but I'm not going to go blow up an abortion clinic because I battle not with flesh and blood, but I am battling with principalities, powers, and rules of darkness in high places. I am in a battle. That's what Joseph said. You want to fight? We'll fight. I hope we can have peace. But then he realized, then he had to also, or, or excuse me, Judah said to Joseph, but then Joseph had to realize that too. And this is the key to the blessing that came on all the children of God is he forgave them. He forgave them. And when he forgave them, it released the blessing. Now, I know that sounds simple, and I could get in all the Hebrew words of it, but it is absolutely supernatural. When you forgive, it releases the blessing. If you, if, just picture this way. If you're still mad, the blessing's out there. There is a wall that anger cannot, cannot penetrate. Once you forgive, then that wall comes down. So Joseph and Judah make peace and all their brothers. They send them back to, um, they send them back to get the rest of their family. And now they're, they're, they're coming, they're coming into, uh, Egypt, the children of God. Look at verse six. So they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Cana and went to Egypt and Jacob and all his descendants with him. And his sons and his daughters and his sons and his daughters and all of descendants, uh, descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now, these were the names of the children of Israel, Jacob and his sons who went to Egypt, Reuben and Jacob's firstborn. All right, so then he goes on and he names all these names, names all these names. These are the people who are, who are coming into Egypt. Now, look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, And all the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt who came from his body besides Jacob's sons and wives were 66 persons in all. The only problem of that is, is that in the, in the, the rest of the writings, it always refers to 70 people. It always, it's called the 70 souls. And is that, do you have any of that have, have that on the top of your Bible or, or sub note in there? It, and so it's confusing because if you count these names down, it says 66 persons. Now, if you include Israel and Jacob and Benjamin, it goes to 69. It comes to 69, but it's always referred to as the 70 souls. Well, where does the 70 souls come in? There's two teachings on this. One is, is that, that there was a child born as they crossed, as they were straddling the line of, of Israel and Egypt, Yochaved was born. Now, this is historically true. Yochaved was born, who was the mother of Moses, or the great, great mother, grandmother of Moses. And so this 70 person, it says, it, it, it says in Hebrew, was born between two boundary walls which meant that she would raise up a child rooted in the past with the power to change the future of Egypt without being transformed by Egypt. What does that mean? In Hebrew, it means if one will have their, la- their foot in God and your other foot in the world, one foot in God, one foot in the world, the power of God, and not let the world control you, but let God control you, 
You may be in this world, but they were, they were in Egypt, but they were not of Egypt. If you let it do it, then even though we're a child of God, we can go into the business world and we can change the business world and turn that world financially upside down. The other teaching is the 70th soul was a promise to, uh, to uh, Israel. And it, the 70th one was God. That there were 69 in number and the 70th was God. And God was saying, it doesn't matter where you go. Wherever you go, wherever you put the sole of your feet, I'm going to give it to you for inheritance. See, we hear that in the New Testament era, and we don't understand that's where it came from. So even though they were children of God into a foreign land, this is where that teaching comes from. Wherever you put the sole of your feet, I will give it to you for an inheritance, which is why it was symbolic that the fifth place that Jesus shed his blood was in his feet, reminding us that we have a covenant with God paid for by the blood of the lamb and it is a better covenant than the covenant here but even though they were strangers in a strange land they became the head and not the tail we may be christians but we don't hide our christianity in business in school in our family we don't hide our christianity and if we're willing not to hide it then even though we're in a foreign land in this world, which is not our home, God will give us the authority and God will give us dominion to be the head and not the tail. Can I have an amen? 47.4, got it? And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Cana. Now therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Now, once again, in Goshen, because Goshen was the place, that, because the children of God, that the curse never came on. All right, jump down to verse 7. Then Joseph brought in his father, Jacob, and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? Now, this is tr- this, uh, I'll say it real quick, but it's fascinating. And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. They are few and evil and have been the days of the years of my life and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. Now real quick, it almost sounds here like like Jacob is being negative, but it's a very spiritual saying. Remember it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when Pharaoh, in Hebrew, when Pharaoh says, how old are you? And he says, the days of my lives are 130 years, but they are few and evil. He's not saying my life has been bad because his life has been tremendously blessed. But it is a Hebrew understanding, I have not yet brought back the Messiah. My people are now living in a foreign land. And he said, Abraham created the Hebrew race. Isaac brought great blessing, and I have not yet seen what I dreamed of, of bringing the Messiah to the, to the children of God. So he's not saying, he's not saying my, my life's been bad or I'm complaining, but he's saying no life is filled until they do everything they can to prepare the world for the coming of the Messiah. And I thought, that's us. 
as much as we're blessed, we need to say we're not done yet. And that's why he said, I'm 130 years old, but my days are few. And in Hebrew, he's saying, I'm praying God will give me more days. God will give me more time. He's got everything. He's an old man. And if you look, God did give him more time because he said, I want to do as much as I can. It's called in Hebrew, kikom olam, the repairer of the breach. I want to do as much as I can to push evil out of this world so the light will penetrate and there'll be enough light that the Messiah comes. And that's why Jesus said, I've given you a great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That in Hebrew is called tikam olam. Go and put push out. How do we push out? By doing goodness and doing goodness and doing goodness. And the, 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 the more we forgive and the more kind we are and the more mitzvahs we do, the more good deeds we do, the more dark, darkness is there to steal, kill, and destroy. Light is to bring joy and peace and happiness. And so every time we, we forgive, we bring light. Every time we're kind, we bring light. Every time we gossip, we bring darkness. Every time we hold a grudge or bicker or backbite, we bring darkness. Our job is not darkness bringers. Our job is light bringers. And when we're a light bringer, then when we stand before the Lord, he'll say, well done.